0: Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I am here with my co-host.
1: Gypsy, and today we have Chris LaLomia. He is an entrepreneur, author, and host of the Small Business Safari Podcast. Welcome to the show, Chris. Welcome.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it.
1: So to get
0: started, tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're from, where you are, and how you kind of got into what you do.
2: Yeah, so to make the short story uh, long, uh, no, I won't make it that far, but <laughs> I'm originally from uh, Michigan, a small town outside of Detroit, uh, on my way to the South after uh, getting my engineering degree and uh, originally located in Charlotte, North Carolina, but stayed in the South uh, and moved to Atlanta, did the whole corporate America gig, got drunk and intoxicated with all that big money and that what seemed like fame and fortune and success, and then I realized uh, that I needed to go out and do my own thing and started my own business. So I started the Trusted Toolbox in 2008. Yep, right before the recession uh, absolutely took us down. And then I made it through that. And then here comes that thing they called the pandemic. And i made it through that and I'm still standing. So after 14 years, you could say I'm an overnight success.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How long and, have you uh, been did. in Atlanta?
2: I've been in Atlanta since 2001.
0: Okay, so we were in Atlanta at the same time that you were there. For our so, yeah.
2: yeah, so there you go. So if you know anything about Atlanta, you know that you have to really embrace traffic, or at least know that it's gonna be part of your life.
0: Yeah, And it is a different level of traffic, you know, in different places. Since we yeah. left, you know, our listeners, you've probably heard it before. But since we left Atlanta traffic, we went up to taste that DMV traffic, where people have bumpers, they have um, um, bumper guards. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's something that we saw there. And then when we moved to California, we realized people don't have bumper guards here. They need them, but they don't have them here. So we learned that, okay, the bumper guard thing must be have something to do with either the snow or just the people in the DMV can't drive.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm thinking about maybe I should put some bumper guards on my uh, my uh, truck here and I can I can do a little bump drafting. Get through traffic quicker. I don't know. yeah
1: so what was it like starting a business during the first well the recession I
2: so i didn't know it was going to be like that so I, I started a handyman business i didn't start a remodeling business today we're a handyman and remodeling business but i felt like i was smarter than everybody else and said so, well you know it's recession resistant but as you remember if you ever went through it uh recession resistance one thing so i was able to survive but it man it was hard and so Uh, It made me really slow down. I had these huge projections I was going to do and didn't hit any of them. And Basically, it backed me up, I guess, about a couple years away from, you know, what I thought I'd be doing in three years really took me about four or five to get there. Uh, It was definitely interesting. Decision making was really hard. A lot of people were just sitting there going, am I going to have a job? And I don't know if I can afford to do this. Crazy. So, but we made it through.
0: So what kind of job was it again?
2: So we have a handyman company. So we do all the things around okay. your home, like drywall repair and uh, fixing the wood rot or hanging doors and windows, fixing decks, doing that small stuff, quote unquote. And today we do everything from bath and kitchen remodeling to uh, rebuilding decks uh, down to still the handyman. I've got 15 handymen now that work for me working around Metro Atlanta. And then I've got uh, five guys running the remodeling projects for us. So we can do stuff of scale now, but in the beginning I thought well I'm small enough you're going to still keep you got to do this work right and the answer was not really um they you know they just didn't know if they were going to have a job and I'm talking about people like HB executives and people from UPS not showing not not sure they're going to have a job anymore people from IBM and banks they sat there on their money for a while I'm like well let's go do this job and, and it's it started to come back but in the beginning it was rough. Mm.
1: I'm sure it was different during the pandemic. I'm sure business did it slow down or accelerate? Because that
2: so it slowed down and then it accelerated with a capital A
1: for the pandemic. Yeah,
2: Yeah. during the pandemic. Uh, now that's all fresh in everybody's mind.
0: Yeah, my dad is a carpenter in Mississippi and he's basically an independent carpenter. He doesn't quite do, you know, upscale remodeling or anything, but basically, you know, kind of a. A handy repair. He can build a house from the ground up as far as knowledge-wise is all there. But um, he he's his, you know, work has basically went up a lot since the pandemic. And he's saying it more of kind of people have had a chance to sit at home and see a lot of the things that they need to upgrade or, you know, want want to upgrade, have time to upgrade to a certain degree. It wasn't necessarily that I could see, you know, with the recession is one thing when, you know, money-wise or I guess then money wise was a different thing than you have right now with the pandemic. It was more of, I just can't go, or some people were even working online, but when it comes down to yeah, uh, to did it change? Yeah, I'm sure it was. A-
2: it was, it's a very interesting uh, when you look back on it. So, you know, it was for me on March 9th, I had a guy in 2020 say, you know, Chris, I think, this is, uh, this is going to impact your business. I think it's going to, I think it's going to shut us down. I'm like, nah, man, you're crazy. man. you're like chicken little, slow down, big boy. It's going to be like that. And literally a week later, I'm like, oh, I'm shutting it down. I didn't shut it down. I really paired it back uh, by laying people off right away. Not sure how long it was going to take. When you're staring at it on March 15th uh, here in Atlanta, Georgia, it, it was tough to handle. We had, we kept 12 guys busy, but basically my remodeling projects, uh, slowed to a trickle because nobody wanted you in their house at the time. And if you remember, I mean, that was, it was scary times. You didn't know what we were up against. So they didn't want you in your house. And we, uh, we were able to work around the outside of people's houses. And there were some things that were broken that needed to be fixed. And what happened for us is, and we thought we would take to about Memorial Day, about two months. And that's about what happened. Two months later, our governor said, far be it for me to tell you guys, you know, what's a an essential business and what isn't, as long as you follow the procedures, you guys can open up businesses. So people started slowly going back out, but we started getting tons of calls because of everything you just said. People were sitting at home for two months, but they were working. Everybody was still drawing paychecks if you weren't in the hospitality industry or the restaurant industry. And Atlanta was very insulated from that from the standpoint of we got a very diverse base. So a lot of people were working from home. Those UPS, HP, all those executives I said in the beginning, They all still had their jobs and they were still cranking along and they were sitting at home with their kids going insane, going, man, I I need doors for my office because I love my kids, but I got to keep them out.
0: (laughs) Put up a lot of extra doors, a lot of extra boundaries.
3: (laughs) We
2: we put up a lot of boundaries, my friends put up a lot of boundaries. That's true. But And and looking at it now, uh, the impact of COVID now where it's, uh, I mean, we're still in it, but obviously people are moving back and, and going back to work and doing things. But what I'm seeing is that if you worked in an office setting for five days a week, today you're doing it maybe two or three days a week, which means you're at your house more than you're at your office. And people are still a little tentative to travel overseas. Now we have this other thing happening with the Russian Ukraine, Ukraine um, problem. And that's a big word. Um, I'm not sure it's a problem. It's It's worse than that, but I won't go there. But people are afraid to travel. So, but they've been making money and they've been doing things. So they want to change their lifestyle so we have actually started to do more bathroom remodeling and kitchen remodeling because they realized they're going to be in their home a lot more than they were before
3: hmm.
2: and so that's just, kept us busy okay.
1: Okay. how did Another you question. get into because you initially i think you said um, mechanical engineering but then when you started your business you got into home improvement so how did how did that happen is that something you had passion in you know, before you got in, into mechanical engineering?
2: It's even worse than that. But yes, uh, I have a passion for it. Uh, I got a <laughs> master's in mechanical engineering, went to work in manufacturing. Then I worked in with banking and did mergers and acquisitions for a consulting company. Mm. And I ended up with my last job was here at SunTrust Banks in Atlanta, which is now called Truist. And I was running the commercial <laughs> loan operations. So you want to talk about a securities path to where I got. <laughs> when I started looking at ideas and things, I I liked working on homes for fun. It was something I've always done. It was something, uh, honestly, I think, I thought everybody's vacation was you had to go work on somebody's house. Uh, Literally my first trip to Florida when I was a kid, I didn't even realize uh, they had beaches in Florida because all we did was work on my grandparents' house the whole time I was there. (laughs) So here I was was, uh, realizing that that's what I like doing. I really enjoy it. Uh, So I built around that passion because One thing, and I put that in my book, is that when you find your passion, uh, it's a lot easier to be great. You you can be great um, about something maybe you're not passionate about because you have the success habits that define what greatness is for you and and what you want it to be. But when you're really passionate about something, it's really easy to say, man, I can be great at this because do I work all the time? Yeah, I think, but I don't even count it anymore. Where I used to count it in the uh, corporate world, I'm like, oh, how many hours you put in this week? Now I I don't even count hours. I I don't even know.
0: You enjoy doing what what you do.
2: Yeah. Like I said, before we started, it's probably, it's very manic for us right now in the uh, it's the spring season here. We're very busy, but man, I had so much fun today and I'm having a blast talking to you guys. You actually are, you're, you're getting me re energized thinking about, Oh, that's right. That's why I got into this business.
1: (laughs) 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 Was it a slow transition or was it like you had a a trigger? Like I've had a moment and you, Completely transitioned to um, to small business or entrepreneurship. Yeah, entrepreneurship. That,
2: that's a great question. So um, a year and a half before I started, I did. I came home and I just, I, I had my I suit on and I took my tie off and I whipped it across the room and I looked at my wife and I said, "That's it. I'm sick of this. I'm starting my own business." She's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 easy there, big fellow. Better <laughs> have a plan." <laughs> So I'm like, no, no, that's it. And so it took me a year and a half uh, to really think about the transition. Um, I put together a business plan. Uh, I started working around our financials to make sure I had the financial wherewithal to to basically weather what I didn't know was coming, which was the recession. Um, And then what I did is I quit and I went I went all the way in. I I sold my Mercedes. I bought two white vans. I wrapped them. I put myself in one. And I was out there being a handyman and doing an estimating and running another guy and building everything that we built today. So that was, um, that was a big leap. Um, and that's why, you know, that's the title of my book, you know, from the zoo to the wild. <laughs> I, I was in the zoo and I, I leapt into the wild and I was rumbling, bumbling, and stumbling.
3: I
0: guess since I have you here, I'd like to probably at, bounce some, I guess, maybe a few creative business possibility questions, you know, something like that. My dad's about 70 years old and he's been doing carpentry all of his life, Mississippi, of course, for for what he he's kind of like the people's carpenter to a certain degree. At this point, um, he enjoys doing what he's doing. Grateful for the work that he has right now, and I can't. Uh, Mississippi is isn't nearly anywhere as busy as you know, um, Atlanta, a place like Atlanta. But how would a someone, as far as or business like this, kind of branch out into a to become more, you know, a little educational to try to, you know, expand a little. Cause you know, a lot, I know a lot of it depends on the knowledge. I have three brothers. We have some carpenter knowledge, but we don't have enough knowledge to go out there on the job by ourselves and, you know, start a job or even, you know, try to complete, unless it's some painting, I can do some painting. Um, But (laughs) when it comes to like, um, I I even got into laying ceramic tile, you know, and I was pretty good, but I still needed him to help me get started and, and things like that how do how can someone like him set up a, a system because basically he does a lot of the work on his own right now he doesn't and trust or you know trusting other people can do certain work to a certain quality is something that he you know he'd rather take his time and get get things done with it he's not just a big business but a way to expand as a small business, not looking to take just super major jobs, but to find a way to, you know, I guess, you know, expand his business and share his knowledge or share some of the knowledge that he has with them. Would you, would it be more of just, you know, have somebody follow him around in his work to grab some of it or just do it more as a business and have somebody working with him to grab that knowledge?
2: What your dad does is one of the hardest things uh, that we all struggle with is, he's doing what he loves to do, that's his passion. And he loves working with his hands. He doesn't necessarily want to stop and have to handhold somebody else to do it. But he knows he has to do it. And then it's that, the thing that struggles is when you're out there, as we call it, working on the tools, when you're out there cutting or or painting or doing whatever, it is hard to answer a phone call from a customer and (laughs) set up a time for an estimate or, you forgot that that person didn't pay you. Then you got to drive all the way across town to pick up that check. And now you're not working, you're just collecting. And that's the hard part. The business aspects of what we do in the trades is for a lot of us, uh, one of the most difficult things. And that's why for me, I brought, I think the white collar experience to the blue collar world with uh, an understanding that those blue collar guys, they are truly artists. I, I actually uh, challenge my guys every day. That's one of our key tenants in our company is be an artist every day because that's what he's doing. And that's what these guys are doing. The struggle uh, you just mentioned is how do you transition that knowledge to the, let's call it the younger group. Uh, And there's uh, some movements around there uh, that are happening more and more where people are realizing, hey, you don't have to go to school for four years and sit in a cube somewhere or go to school for four years and not sit in a cube somewhere to realize that you'd rather be out there working with your hands and you can do pretty well with it. And I've tried to plug into a couple of those here in Atlanta Uh, to help younger people understand that, hey, this is a great, it's a great career path. And you can go from being a carpenter and and then maybe eventually a project manager and eventually maybe even running your own business. But you have to be willing to let go of a few things. And that's also really hard for our artists to do. If you told somebody, hey, you're going to go paint a painting. Now I want you to go teach somebody to paint a painting. And you're going to let them paint for somebody else. Oh, no, 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 I do it. I'm the best at it. So that's the struggle that uh, a lot of my guys have. And that's why they've come here is because we do have the business set up for them Mm -hmm. where they don't have to worry about the collections and the setting up the sales process. I have other people who do the sales and these guys get to go out there and be artists every day. So that, that is the one of the bigger struggles for everybody, because I'm sure if I worked with your dad for a day, there is no doubt I'd pick up at least three things that I've never seen before. Going, Wow. That's awesome. Now, how do I get that to somebody else who can really do something with it?
0: Yeah. Cause I know he's a genius, you know, from the information he has packed here. Yeah, it's it's probably over, probably about 50 years of carpentry work. Yeah.
2: And and people, it's what's interesting is uh, as a society, we don't value that, right? We value actors and, uh, and singers and songwriters and people who are artists. Why, well, that's what I tell these guys. I'm like, you guys are as much as an artist that they are. You're leaving a legacy impact in a house. You're doing something. In fact, this morning we had training. I said, when you guys do this one thing and I won't get into the story of what we do, I said, you guys just, is there anybody in here who doesn't know how to do that? And they all said, well, no, of course we all know how to. I said, you realize our customers think that's voodoo. What you just pulled off, they're still trying to figure out how you just did that. And that's something you just take for granted. And so it's hard to get that mentality because we always consider them to be, you know, in my world, we call them skilled trades. I would say most of the people in the world don't appreciate what carpenters, plumbers, electricians, heating and air specialists do uh, each and every day.
1: Is that why there's, they used to say a lot that there's a shortage in people going into trade jobs or trade schools to learn some of these things. You think that's because it's not respected in society or, um, why do you think that is? Or is there still a shortage in that? Or is just not industry? appreciated
0: the right way? Because even like with my pop, some of the jobs that he going to do, he's skilled enough to know how to kind of look at a certain job and know what the possibilities could be, you know, like if you pull this out and it's riding on the other side, you got the job is going to be bigger. You're going to have, to, it's going to be a lot bigger bill or you're going to, you know, you're kind of opening up a problem, and opening up another problem. Sometime with certain jobs that you're taking, and the skill that he has to kind of be able to to spot that. Oh, I almost kind of forgot you what you were saying a little bit. But the skill that he has to to kind of spot that is that people don't. Okay, yeah, people don't really appreciate or don't really understand that that is a possible problem. You could say that all right, this wall here, you may want this sheetrock replaced, but when you take that sheetrock off. You see, maybe like four or five rotten two by fours, water rust, water um, damaged two by fours, and people just feel like, ah, he's gonna overcharge me for something, and it's like, no, it's gonna take a lot of skill for him to even replace those. You know, from maybe cut the two by four off here, cut the two by four off here, and you know, it's a certain, you know, you got to have a problem solving solution there when it comes to that that area, yeah. you know, or, or expertise, and it takes years and I, I, feel, I feel like, yeah, people, they don't necessarily appreciate it, you know? Like it's, it's, like- not,
2: it's not promoted uh, for sure. I mean, if you th- let's just go watch the news tonight or go pick your favorite channel. If you don't pick HGTV or watch This Old House, those are the only two outlets where they can go, wow, this stuff is really cool. This is an artist thing, but everything else is centered around, Well, uh, well, in today's world, here's a good example. I'm gonna go out there and be an influencer. Uh, really that's your that's your job description. You're go off the <laughs> uh, that's not really a career path man I don't think you got to do some other things but um, back before then you know back in the 2000s it was that we'll get in the internet you know, you get I the said
0: that internet. was a pot that was a podcast you know thing most podcasters get that a little oh, deeper yeah. when you say the
3: influencer.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I'm gonna go start a podcast make a living uh, I started my podcast I promise you I'm never gonna die off right? right now I need some help with that but that's a that's just being, I'm just having fun with it right now. I'm not making any money at it, but.
0: Yeah, we're doing it.
2: But, you know, what are we trained in school to do? You know, uh, in my high school that I went to, they took out the machine shop class the year before I started.
3: Yeah, the career um, development.
2: And so that was never promoted. It was, you know, promoted to say, you know, the next step is for you to go to college. And so I went off and became an engineer, but I worked in a machine shop before I went to school. Uh, and machinists are also, you know, another another skilled trade that people admire in the areas that it's in, but it's definitely not promoted uh, nationally or, you know, Mike Rowe is probably the one who's probably the biggest lightning rod for, hey, trades are a great career path for a lot of people who, let's face it, you can go out there and work with your hands and you can move around and be in a lot of different places. I went to a conference last week and uh, I had to sit there for three hours. And I'm like, oh, I'm losing my mind, man. I, I forgot that I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I used to be able to do that, but I need to be out there and seeing people and looking at houses and training guys on what we're doing. And it, it's just not promoted. Um, and it, it's just not sexy, <laughs> but, it, but it should be. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so how did you get into podcasting? What What inspired you to first get into it?
2: So I, uh, I, uh, I don't know if you can tell now, I love talking, um, but I also have a passion around uh, entrepreneurship and making that leap from corporate America to starting my own business and then scaling it. Because one of the things, you'd asked the question earlier is you know, how, how, how can my dad grow? Well, I wish we could grow by just having robots um, and having people overseas mm-hmm. answer phones for us, but it doesn't work like that. We have to have people. I mean, we gotta have people people
3: yeah. and they
2: gotta be here working. And that's what, uh, one of the things I learned is to scale a business of mine to get to that size is that I had to break away from being a handyman. Of course, that was not never, that was never my specialty, but I'm a really good manager. And so now how do I get to become a really good entrepreneur uh, by having good people, people around and good managers of my good people. And now I have, right now I'm training some newer uh, team members, but Uh, you know, at one point I was working two or three days on the business and I was doing podcasting and entrepreneurship and giving back and talking to uh, young people about opportunities and starting your own business. And I really liked it and I've really grown from it. I I didn't realize how much I would learn by interviewing other people and talking and getting their experiences uh, over just an hour. And I've made some good friends over and I've only been doing this uh, for a little under eight months. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think in total, we're hitting about our um, seventh month mark we started in october 2020 and we recorded 17 episodes And december 20th december 28th 2020 uh, it rained and there was a leak in our roof and it rained in basically on the studio We it's kind of it had a music and podcast studio together so we took us about a year to, to rebuild some energy and you know get things together and we started back January of this year okay and we've we're about what episode 70 what, what, what episode have we released
1: yeah it's like 70 something
0: yeah wow
2: so that's what, great so you guys are weekly right
0: well it would, we're almost daily, um, six days like a day six
1: days a week at the moment <laughs> oh wow yeah
2: but, um, well that's great what do, what do you guys like most about it
0: conversation genuine conversation I grew up as a musician and you know a lot of the relationships that I've had with people probably have um evolved around music so even taking off from music for a while and then um getting into this and the the one of the main things was to learn from learn a a lot of different things like I said from different topics and different parts of the world and just have genuine conversations with people and you know that was one of the motivating things just to learn something outside of of um, music and to talk to, like I said, we've talked to a lot of people who have books, so it's a difference between having to read the book and then you can talk to the person themselves, so.
2: Yeah, Guilty, I uh, wrote that I, as well. I wrote the book, uh, I still don't have the audible person out yet, and a lot of the people I said, I wrote the book for somebody like me, and that's the guy who won't read the book. <laughs> so that's <laughs> the other, I like talking more and I like listening to people more, so I, I gotta make that happen so I can get that word out, because yeah. The book is uh I don't know, it's been it's been termed gritty and irreverent. This is all the stuff that you'd never learn in school because they'd be afraid to tell you about how to run a business and what you run into because when I first started the business, I had a projection and I was gonna kill it. I mean I was gonna knock it out of the park. And that didn't happen <laughs> at all for a long time.
0: I know that there had been a lot of nervousness, of course, you know, you're going in to people's home and you know, them trusting your work and the you being and having the challenge of like I said if it starts off as one thing and becomes bigger you know that's a a, a first time thing and I'm sure you're probably expert with it now on relaying <laughs> that conversation with customers how long did it take you to kind of stumble over some things to get you know a, a nice footing in the business and like okay these rules are the rules and this goes like this
2: there was never one point in time. I always felt like throughout the, the time as I grew, yeah, we always talk about growing pains. Everybody does in business. Uh, you know, I hit one part and I wrote that in the book that I had uh, five technicians working for me and I was the uh, estimator, but I was also the scheduler. And I had one lady in the office answering the calls, building uh, what I have today. And at one point I, um, I had five, what we call callbacks. Um, that's uh, redos, go back. You got to go back and fix something that didn't work right and so i shut my business down i said i told the guys on thursday and friday i said look i'll pay you for the day but um we're just gonna we'll pick up work on monday and i went and redid and went and visited every site and everyone i started to figure out was it really wasn't their fault well one of them was but the other four it was me i didn't tell the people what to expect i didn't tell them how to expect what we were doing Uh, i didn't have procedures in place to say hey you guys have to collect at the end it's not supposed to be me um, and I didn't have call ahead processes that all the stuff we have today where we call and text ahead because we know that's more important than even sometimes the end product that we do. So I learned that and put a few processes in place. And then we grow and grow and grow. And I, and I felt like I was on a, on a roll. And I, One of my mentors three years later looked at me and said, well, how's this? How's this? Asking me some serious business metrics. And I shared them and he said, wow, it sounds like you're in a rut. I'm like, what? I'm not in a rut. Man, i and I drove home. I, like, In fact, it was in Marietta. I'm driving over to the other side of Atlanta, stuck in traffic, and I'm driving. I'm mad. I'm like, that's it. By the time I was done driving, I went, man, he's right. I'm in a rut. So I had to retool some more things and, and start to rely on other people to help me grow. And I put a sales manager in place, and I put an operations manager in place, and held them accountable to do those things and then I felt like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm off and doing it again. And well, spring hit and I've had a few people who had to leave. One guy moved, one guy got a job, he couldn't resist. So now I'm training all over again. And I'm back in the business doing what I was doing uh, three and four years ago. So it, it goes and fits and starts and it goes up and down. Uh, so I don't think I ever got to that one point, but it does feel uh, much more successful. My definition of success is seeing a team solve a problem that they couldn't solve on their own and doing it without my intervention. And seeing the outcome and a happy customer who puts a beautiful Google review out there, it says the whole team solved my problem from the lady who answered my phone to the salesperson who came out and gave the estimate to the guy who actually came out and did the work. That's really rewarding. That's success for me.
0: Yeah. Got to have a good team. Yeah. Definitely takes I, one of the best teams.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite parts is figuring out the process earlier. You asked what, you know, what, what do you guys like about the podcast? For me, it's, it is, um, first thing is learning from all kinds of different people. Um, you just never know. It's like, even with certain people, you have a certain topic in mind, but you end up learning so much more, um, during the conversation. And secondly, I like the whole process of it. Um, and figuring out how to make it better and things like that. Before the podcast, um, I was used to help him with his music, from promoting and figuring out different things, creating the website, creating uh, flyers and album covers and press release stuff and all kinds of you know figuring out how to tweak stuff and make it better. So I kind of just transferred that into the podcast from like you know from figuring out ways to promote it to um just figuring out uh the the process and it's funny for this episode you just mentioned um your thing with the process earlier and i actually learned something from scheduling this interview because we had to schedule it a little differently i scheduled using your um system and i realized ah you know what i've been meaning to put some of this process in place from my own podcast and I didn't get a chance, but going through your process, I was like, ah, okay. Yeah. I need to implement this. And I've had that with other, you know, when you interview other podcasters and they, you know, have a certain thing either pre or post interview and things like that, that I want to incorporate into my process and you just learn new things every day.
2: Yeah. I love that. That's, that's cool. <laughs> I love it.
1: And she's more of the tech department
0: or the promo marketing. <laughs> and I guess I'm more of, I guess, the sound and the physical part. But it's, it's, it's you know, it's kind of a, a process that we've, we've grown with. And like I said, it's one of the best outside of music. Music, a lot of things, okay, dealing with music has been loud for years so with the podcast is you know and then taking a break from that it kind of was a quiet part of of life as well so with that being kind of one of the you know the biggest changes it it kind of went along with a lot of the stress that happened with the pandemic a lot of things switching up and it just became kind of a yeah. a mutual you know conversation and can't you know, happy happy place to I a certain mean, because there's always the energy that come with. Them. When we started off, we were nervous every podcast, but now it's a lot more relaxed and genuine and you know routine.
2: Yeah. I got to share something with you guys because I I use music as an analogy, and so uh, my artists truly are artists, but they're like gig economy artists, right? So where's their gig this weekend? Where's their gig next weekend? And once I get them to understand that our gig is Monday through Friday, and that they can actually put food on their table and be their artist that they are. So I always say this, and you guys you guys will probably get a kick out of this. So I say, sometimes uh, my scheduler, I say, sometimes, Deborah, you just got to manage the talent. Got to manage that talent. <laughs> so, so I'm sure you guys have heard that line um, in music industries before, but we use that analogy in our world, um, even though it may, it may not translate for you guys, but it, it does get them laughing. And <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, the, the podcast world is new. It's also, it's one of the freest places you can kind of, be yourself in a, in another way as well and it offers a lot of freedom and i know that's one of the reasons why we gravitate gravitated towards it because you can still you know you have your style of podcast you know someone else has their style of podcast not being a critic but you know i know some some podcasts are basically just shows it's not really a podcast it's so you know produced <laughs> it looks like you know no different from you know a regular the view you
2: know, yeah, <laughs> so I can promise you that's not mine, even though I we, we made a little studio here because obviously <laughs> I've got a bunch of artists. Um, you guys can, I got a green screen behind me and I've got some uh homage to my co host, uh, he's a Scottish English guy, so we put some plaid and tartan up. But on the other side, I've got a bunch of leopard skin and tiger skins. <laughs> so, because <laughs> so, for the small business safari, this is our guys uh, helped me put that together, but you're right, it's not mine is not well produced, uh, because it's not it's up to me.
0: But when you say well produced that, you know, that's not necessarily the podcast world when a lot of people, you know, it's podcast. So we're grateful to have visuals, you know, that's more of the thing that we've gotten so far past as, you know, as podcasts as well. It was mainly, you know, audio. we the visual is the bonus. So when you say production wise, I respect the ones that have basically just their wall, and they can sit there and talk, and that's their podcast. To the you know, the the borderline production. Let's like say if you have millions of dollars and uh, a a major, a, major company company. Uh, a major company sponsored a major company sponsored your podcast, that's that's a show, <laughs> right? That's, that's more of a that's a, a borderline TV show. Yeah. So I like. that. Guys- uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Have you guys ever had somebody come up to you, never met them before, and they came up and they felt like they just knew you because they've been listening to the podcast, and they're like, oh man, I, I just, I was really, and they start talking to you on a personal level. Have you ever had that happen?
0: No. Not quite, yeah. Not yet. Maybe That's, a little more be of a guess, but not, not quite, yeah.
2: So I went to this conference uh, for remodelers, it's the National Association of Remodeling. It was a national conference, and I met up and this guy came up and said, Hey, you're Chris Lalamia. Hey. I, and he starts telling me all the episodes he's been listening to. And man, I just you know, love with this. And yeah, I mean, he, he felt like he just knew me. Right. And I'm like, I mean, I don't even know who you are. I'm like, wow, that? <laughs> That's pretty uh,
3: cool. yeah.
2: but it was, it wasn't like a starstruck. Hey, can I get your autograph? It was just like, Hey, I really think I know you and I really like what you're doing. And, and I got a question for you on this. And we did, we hit it off and we went off and had beers that night. And, um, we were staying in contact, but yeah, he just, he had that personal connection that I was like, man,
0: that's really cool. I look yeah. forward for that today. I know, day. right?
2: That's, yeah. That would be nice.
0: Music-wise, they do that. I used to street perform in downtown LA on my cello for a while. So I was pretty, you know, we're pretty known by a lot of the locals. So when you're walking, you know, like, hey, I saw you. you know? <laughs> <But> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. From, that's from that. Right now, it's more, okay, yeah. podcast. I want that with the podcast world. Cause, yeah. She loves yeah. the feedback. As well for our listeners, Gypsy loves the feedback, so (laughs) thank you. You know she appreciates all the feedback.
1: You gotta Uh, put me out, like, (laughs) (laughs) because
0: she's the you know, of course, the tech department. So it's a a lot of hard work and paid time promoting and everything like that. So you have a promotion team, or you do a lot of the stuff yourself.
2: So I have a I have a social media person. Uh, Actually, what I've done is. I have a new intern who's gonna work with us this summer. I find somebody in college who wants to uh, learn more about entrepreneurship. And I had one last year so. He came and learned about uh, not only the Trusted Toolbox, but um, I have another business that works on training other companies uh, with customer service skills for our artists. And uh, he came in and the entrepreneurship stuff. So I have him do the production. He went back to school, but he does the production. And he does a little bit of social media. production and a little bit of promotion but I haven't done or put any resource money behind that really
1: yeah I've been thinking about that too just finding an intern and find ways to exchange whether it's you know knowledge or if you want your podcast produced and we can exchange some time because we have the studio with the four mics set up so there's plenty to exchange I think we do have to step through
2: that plan. I tell you, um, I put uh, just one thing. So this year um, I have business goals and I have quarterly uh, objectives for the trusted toolbox. I have personal goals and quarterly objectives for me, Chris. And uh, I also have what uh, it is called my legacy goal. Now what's the legacy I'm gonna bring this year. And this year I'm trying to give back to younger people more. Uh, So I'm gonna have a summer entrepreneurship class here in Atlanta. That we're going to start promoting out and see if we can't get like 15 to 20 kids to show up and I say kids because I'm nice. old um, but I love the energy but uh, having I just put one post on LinkedIn one post looking for this inter, uh, entrepreneur uh, position uh, internship I got 24 people to reply and say nice. I want to do this nice. and I was jazzed and so the person I picked happened to be one of my uh, one of my friend's daughters uh who is actually graduating with a four-year degree but she wants to do this with me for the summer to figure out what she wants to do when she grows up and i'm like come on i'll help you because it's not just oh let's promote the podcast, okay and now i got to do this um in fact one of the the guy last year got me into tiktok so now i'm chris talk uh on tiktok but, uh, <laughs> but my friends are like what are you doing i said i don't know this kid got me into it man i don't know what to do with it but it's fun i love it yeah, we got all kinds of opportunities yeah, pretty some results, yeah. So it was great giving back uh, and getting back. You know, these guys have so much energy. Uh, it's just great being around younger people. With that,
0: now I, I was saying she gets pretty good results with TikTok.
1: Yeah, I do like TikTok. Oh yeah, yeah. more than oh, as far
0: oh, yeah. as with Thanks. the podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah. TikTok and LinkedIn have been the better, um, the better for. Better promotion for podcasting, at least.
2: At least. All right, what's what's no, the every, TikTok? Dude. So I go find it.
1: Oh, American Gypsy Podcast.
0: Yeah, everything <laughs> is American Gypsy.
1: Yeah.
2: Good branding. I like it. There you go. <laughs> Kudos on branding.
1: Yeah. See, yeah. I you know I've worked in marketing departments. Yeah, she's a web like developer. That. So that's why I ca- I get to transfer some of the things that I learned because even at work I do more like web development or um web and application building so i don't unless i work in a marketing department of a company which happens every now and then i don't get to play out some of these things that i like to do so with the podcast and other things that we do i can kind of implement some of the things that i learn yeah yeah
0: and when it comes to um i guess guest or how we linked it. Was this through matchmaker? Okay. I think it was. Yep. We get a, all of our guests have been, or a lot, most of them have been from matchmaker.
2: Okay. Yeah. No, that, that's been great. I have uh, been running through a number of uh, uh, people I just knew personally over the years um and so I, i'm still running through them and of course i love having him coming in the studio because my co-host and i uh, he's a home brewer he loves brewing beer so we always have beer nice and, and on one episode he said i didn't have any beer i said well good news is we just got some jack daniels here so uh, <laughs> that turned into a long three-hour episode that we actually didn't publish most of it but we had a blast
0: yeah <laughs> nice i was gonna um i think I had a question when it's sliding away all right, I, I lost it. I had a question there that it was just there for a little bit, but it'll come back. <laughs> but um, I guess before we get ready to close things out, um, we didn't talk too much about. You said you're working on the book, or
2: yeah, mentioned- so I, I have a book out. It's called "From the Zoo to the Wild: Your Guide to Entrepreneurial Freedom and Wealth." Uh, it's about my story. Like I said, it's uh. Uh-huh. It's a it's a quicker read. It starts out with a quote. If you read the first paragraph of that chapter and that doesn't ring with you, there's other chapters that'll make some sense. But it was about my journey from leaving corporate America and then starting a business and then scaling it up and, and learning about it. And then also uh, training those people that I call artists uh, that I really had to learn. One of the things that was really cool about leaving corporate America and working with the team I have today is, uh, to use the term that was a long time ago, it's, it's WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. These guys are very genuine people. They're very, when they come in and tell you they need more money, there's no ulterior motive. They just need more money. Uh, when they say, I need a day off, they need a day off. Uh, but in the corporate world, there was always an agenda or something always happening. You're always trying to figure out what people are thinking. And These people are just trying to make this happen. And when you can find those kind of people, and then you can put that, what I call that professional wrapper around and also be able to explain to them that you really need to think of yourself as an artist and see these guys flourish that's what I put in the book so that's why I put the book out um
3: just when to did get, you start writing advice. the book
2: I wrote I started yeah, that's a good question I started writing uh, about four years ago and then I got serious in the pandemic I said hey well maybe I can do this and then I had to get I had to get somebody to help me organize my thoughts I'm kind of I was all over the board and uh the guy says well hey, this is how much I charge and you know at the start of the pandemic I'm like well I don't have any money man <laughs> I'm, I'm working my way down to come my, my way back up. And then when we really got in earnest, we started in August, and I had it done by uh, February. And so it's been out for just uh, just over a year right now.
1: Okay. We've, we've thought about writing up a, a couple of times, and we actually don't know. I, I've heard of a few different processes, mostly like people using Amazon and things like that. And you just mentioned you used uh, a person, like how does the process go in transferring the information to the person? Like, how does that That's a
2: great question. I I learned a lot about that. If I would have known how hard it was to really write a book, uh, I probably wouldn't have started. (laughs) (laughs) Once I was in, you know, it's easy just to sit there and start puking on a page and, you know, type, 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 type. what, what we did was he took all those thoughts and we, we got on Zoom calls and he would uh, get these things put into transcripts and then organize the thoughts of which mine are all over the board all the time, but he was able to put me in chapter thoughts, if you will, and then just have me riff in that chapter. And then he would put the words together and then you'd have to go back and forth and read them. So I did that with him. And then I really have just truly self-published. Uh, I didn't go with a publisher. He helped me self-publish on Amazon, Um, but, you know, there's, uh, and I did, I went out and sort of listened to a bunch of podcasts about the best way to promote it and how to do all that stuff. That's something I'm actually going to try to work on again this summer with the new intern is to get a little bit more traction around it.
0: I'm guessing the podcast said, go to podcast to promote your book.
2: (laughs) They said, go to podcast to promote your book. That's right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, go to podcast, get out there. So uh, doing that, I also want to you know pitch the Home Service Institute work that we're doing, but um as i've been getting another podcast i'm having a blast doing it i enjoy i enjoy it i actually i'm getting energy off of it uh just like i am now but uh also i get my name out there and i've had other people contact me and say hey um do you have 30 minutes to talk about a business because i uh I mean i have a handyman business and i'm doing this thing in austin texas and i just wanted to see if i could pick your brain i'm like absolutely man love to do it
0: nice so um with the podcast do you have? Do you get any as far as attention for sponsorship or anything like that, or do you sponsor yourself? Uh, so right far- now, I just sponsor myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, as have, as yeah. Right. The Home Service
2: Institute. My book. Oh, okay. I promote my book. Uh, uh, I promote the Home Service Institute, which is also our training vehicle. Um, and I don't think I have the listenership to ask for any sponsorship yet, but I do have a lot of. Uh, you know, I use a lot of technology for our company, so I I am getting as soon as I get what I think is a good. Amount of listeners. I'm gonna to go to these guys and say, Hey, look, I can promote your business a little bit more. You gotta sponsor me or at least give me a break in my software.
3: <laughs>
0: as a as a podcaster, what how I many like we're gonna get ready to celebrate like our hundredth episode? I think we have seats about 70s or so for this season and 17 from last season. So we're gonna kind of stack them up and celebrate the hundredth episode. What as a podcaster? do you have a certain, like a number where you feel like, okay, I have this many podcasts recorded, you know, I feel like, all right, you know, this is enough or to, to move forward or a nice foundation. Cause we we didn't think about it until we started to do the calculation. Like, wow. Okay. From the beginning when we only had a few asking for sponsorship, seeing one way, now we have a certain number of podcasts. It's, you know, it, the traction is there. We feel like it's, it's a lot better chance of getting sponsorship, at least just having more podcasts, even though the views may not be, or, you know, like I said, you know, the audience may not be as large as you'd like it to be, but at least the you have the content to show.
2: Yeah, I uh, I don't have a content or a number. I had a, I had a listenership. I was hoping to get to a hundred before I, you know, consistent downloads on every episode. Okay. Um, and we're close to that right now. So I'm like, okay, because of what? Because again, I listen to podcasts, and you, you hear all the numbers, too, guys, right? I don't know it, a, it, but if it's a hundred genuine people who are t- consistently downloading it, that's good, you know. But I guess I, I know there's people who are a lot bigger than us. Uh, we're like I said, we're a weekly podcast. I was doing a a Friday uh, summary of what we did uh, just to see how it worked, and we just decided, uh, literally this week, to say, okay, let's stop doing that. People aren't interested. Uh, And I did get some feedback from other guys who said, Hey, I love listening to your podcast, but that, that Friday one's just too short, man. I want more. I'm like, I said, can you tell my wife that that you wanted to hear me talk more (laughs) Props, man. (laughs) So go back to answering that question. I don't have that magic number on that. I just, I wasn't ready. Um, And that's what we want to evaluate this summer to see if it's worth it to promote it and and get some sponsorship because I've got some good, angles with uh, a number of people because i know the people who are listening are trying to figure out what kind of crm software you'd use in the services business or it's definitely worth
0: it to promote it yeah Yeah. for all of us yeah take some time saying i've like i said it'll be worth it at least okay
2: (laughs) i like it you guys got well i'm I'm actually uh well i'm definitely gonna link up with you guys and i'm gonna follow you on tiktok too so because i don't know like i said i um TikTok, uh, I got on it last year, and I remember, you know how you get those, I have an iPhone, you get the, how long are you on your phone, screen, the screen time, yeah. and it popped up on Sunday morning at breakfast with my daughter, who's 23, and she popped up, she goes, dad, you use your phone more than me, I said, kid, I run my business off this thing, man, and she goes, well, let me look at this, what's your number one app, I said, well, all right, look, it was TikTok. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I said, Whoops.
2: Funny. It, it wasn't my software it wasn't my email it was, it was
0: <laughs> yeah that's why i say she's doing good on tiktok i don't have it on my
1: phone <clears throat> yeah it's
2: a it, it's a dangerous slope let me tell you
0: yeah but, <laughs> I, I agree
1: i forgot to ask what part of uh georgia or Atlanta are you serving because I, I have my whole family is down there and yeah, a project right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we're in North Metro Atlanta. So if you know Atlanta, we also have that beautiful beltway we call 285 I call that the 285 super speedway. Um, we go from i 20 uh, North all the way up to Cumming, and then all the way over from Ackworth to Snellville so everybody in the North suburbs and Uh, literally going to start a new uh, branch in Athens, Georgia, where University of Georgia is uh, probably in the, it will start in the next month. He's in here training with us right now for the next month.
0: I think I was going to ask, even that might have been the question that I lost uh, earlier, being in the home repair, are you also have your hands in real estate and things like that?
2: You know, I didn't. I, I, I get a. That's a great question. A lot of people ask me. Says, okay, well, you must be doing house flipping, or you do rental, or you must have a bunch of rental properties because you have that built-in workforce. Now, I came from banking, and I realized what what how you can best do flipping is a skill set that you have to have. Number one, I think you have to have some street smarts. You have to just know what the economy or what's going to work in a neighborhood or in an area you're at. Number two you have to understand that you have to buy really low to make it work on a flip. So where do you go? You go to foreclosure, you go to those courthouse steps back in the old days. And I started to look into that and realized that number one, my street smarts were a little off. And number two, I didn't want to have to go through the foreclosure buying process. Cause I was feeling too guilty that I was buying somebody else's house. They didn't get, I just, mm-hmm. I know it's weird. It sounds weird, but I just didn't mm-hmm. do it.
0: So decent conscience though. <laughs> yeah. To have that per, to have that conversation with the person, yeah, my house got foreclosed, and you're like, oh, I hope I didn't All right, I'll buy, it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy it yeah I hope I didn't already buy dollar. it basically <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's understood business wise though we still respect you know the people that do buy foreclosed homes it's a it's an awesome yeah I,
2: I, that's a skill set I mean they know how to make the numbers work um i I know a number of guys who do it um and i I get why they're doing it I just it wasn't for me. And that would, I would have ever lost focus on building my business. I had to, I had to focus in a little bit more and stay away from those shiny objects.
0: Yeah. And in Mississippi, my family touched on that. My brothers, they kind of invest in houses, you know, because in Mississippi, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, a sleeping gold mine, basically in my, to to me, it, the the area has to grow a little bit, but when you're talking, you know. $3,000 house, $5,000 house, do a little investment, put it on HUD, and then let HUD pay you. It's a different ball
3: game.
2: <laughs> yeah. See, that whole process, I know enough about it to know that I didn't want to be in it because uh, mm-hmm. all it takes is one bad decision, you know, buy one house with a really bad foundation or buy something with a, with a back to the, use the term, sleeping in that's, that's
0: where my dad comes in <laughs> on the <laughs> bed. And it's, it's automatic, dad, come look at this house. And he'll be able to, first thing he's going to do is look under it and see, you know, what's going on with the foundation.
2: Yep. You don't have yep. To I, I know a guy who lost a lot that way. He, um, he got into it and it was the foundation it was a huge foundation problem and he had to put an extra 10 grand into it, which was all his profit. He said, we ended up upside down. Wow. And I was like, yeah, I think that'll just stay on the sidelines. and keep doing what I know. <laughs> and I don't even know if I know this one. Well,
0: <laughs> well you know, you're, you can always get better. Consistent self-improvement.
2: <laughs> I like it. That's right. <clears throat> I need it.
1: <laughs> you made it through several bumps. I think you can say you made it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Congratulations well done, on the that. book as well.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's been a big accomplishment. I've, I've been really happy to have it out there. Um, and and it, it has been good. Um, I heard a great stat that made me feel better just the other day was that they say that 1% of the people who say they want to write a book actually write it because mm-hmm. when you do write it i found i, I thought everybody wrote a book because I mean, all you do is see other book writers right and it's the the classic back to uh, promotion you, if you're thinking you want to get a red car and you start driving around all you see are red cars so i thought everybody had written a book i'm like oh man i'm just lost in this big sea of book writers when i heard that <laughs> phrase i'm like oh well maybe there is something out there maybe i can't get it promoted
0: <laughs> yeah it, definitely the pressure is on us definitely you know as podcasters we talk to book writers all the time so like all right we feel like we're the only people out here in the world that's not writing a book so we have to write a book yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh I like I said, there's some great podcasts about um how to do it and, and how to publish it in, in different ways and, um somebody asked me what, what do you yeah yeah so Mike McCallowitz uh has a lot of podcasts but um the one that was really good is uh Kindlepreneur Kindlepreneur. Uh, Dave, uh, no, I just lost his name. He was really interesting. His podcast about how to do it and how to market it. And of course, I thought I followed everything he said. It, it didn't work, but I, I actually didn't follow it like, like he does. it. He's really good at it.
1: So what are your some of your favorite podcasts that inspired you?
2: Oh, that's great. I'm glad you asked that. So um, I love John Lee Dumas, uh, the Entrepreneurs on Fire podcast. That's a daily podcast. Um, I don't get to listen to that one daily. Um, I listened to, I pick and choose on business topics uh, that I want to learn more about. Um, so I've liked, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember the other ones that I just uh, went in and out of. Uh, that is called uh, the uh, Entrepreneur's Mind is one of them. I actually, guilty pleasure, I just started listening to Smartless, back to a production show. This is Jason Bateman, Will Arnett and Sean Hayes. That's a show, by the way. It it, it is. It's a show. It's not a podcast. (laughs) They're so darn funny. And they've had some great guests on who are just hilarious. Uh, So I've been listening to them going, oh, wow. It's funny. I like it. Um, So, gosh, I'm trying to think. I don't listen to too many fun ones. I do more of the business ones.
1: Yeah, I think my favorite category is like, I call it edutainment is basically a mixture of educational entertainment basically uh, all right
2: so what are your favorites i'm gonna
1: look like i can say i, I don't really have I, a favorite um, i'll name i guess my favorite uh impact theory by tom bill you you might like that one um who else i know there's a uh how i built this i think that's what it was called the npr one the guy yeah
2: okay yeah that's the fact i just (laughs) npr (laughs) yeah i love him too guy Raz.
1: yeah it's been a while it's like i i I listened to podcasts when i used to commute a lot and now i don't have as much commute and i'm trying to find like times to fit in the podcast (laughs) And we record same. podcasts yeah. as well,
0: so it's a little, little different. Right. I enjoy I enjoy mine so much is where it's harder to kind of just go listen to mm-hmm. others. too.
2: yeah, I uh when when I was again when I was back out of the business and not training consistently and having people in the truck with me all the time, uh, I would listen to podcasts in between appointments or going to check on guys or see things. But when you're training guys, I don't listen to podcasts. I'm usually in there training and talking and getting ready for the next appointment as we're seeing customers so I definitely I miss it um did you what do you guys I I've heard this one the number one genre for podcasts is real world or
1: true world crimes true crimes yeah a lot of crime stuff is that storytelling. And storytelling with crimes or investigation yeah crime is a very popular genre yeah. in podcasting and I'm, I'm just trying to figure out why how did yeah, we I don't get... get
2: it <laughs> i heard it was number one i'm like really it's it over is. news and number two is comedy i'm like okay i get comedy but true crimes really oh, okay and i don't want to hear about all that stuff that stuff weirds me out <laughs> yeah i don't want to hear about bad stuff
1: i've seen a lot of times when i look up like top uh 10 podcasts or things like that it's always the first there's at least like five of them that are going to be Five out of ten that would be crime related. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it. that's, I don't know what That it's was going.
2: mind-boggling when I heard that. Like, i like, was telling my guys, well, maybe we should do true crimes in small business." Right. You know? I don't. think that's. I don't think that's going to be hot enough yet. It's not going <laughs> to be as thrilling.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: That's what you got to right. love about the podcast world, though. It's
1: or you know, focus on hunting.
0: and it's doing its own thing.
1: Hunted yeah. house, uh, home improvements in some way, slide in the, <laughs> your, your topic.
2: <laughs> I think I might do, I might do a whole best episode on that. Haunted houses we've worked on. Were they really haunted? But no, I'm going to make it up. <laughs>
1: Just make <wing> it up.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been a great conversation. Um, yeah. man, the energy has been great just talking with another podcaster. Is, yeah, it's fun. I really, I really enjoyed it.
2: <laughs> so one of the things I did do is that the setup we have now, actually I have a microphone, I have headphones on, I have a mixing board. Uh, that was our celebration of getting to uh, getting to our 1,000th uh, download early on because okay. I knew a guy who was in podcasting and he just couldn't do it anymore. Um, and he said, hey, look, I have all this equipment and I, you know, I just need to get rid of it because my wife wants me to get out of the house. And I said, "All right, I'll buy it." So I brought it in, and all uh, oh my guys were pumped up. And I was like, "Look at that, man! We're going big time!" Look at have <laughs> microphones and everything now. <laughs>
0: yeah. We're we're uh, operating on the Road um, Roadcaster Pro, and it it does a lot of the. Um, uh, I guess mixing. pre-mixing, yeah, pre-mixing, yeah, it's meant post-mixing for... as well, yeah. So yeah, I've, I, I researched all- that
2: one. But that one I would have had to pay a lot more for. So this one, this guy sold me a Behringer.
0: Yeah, Behringer is yeah. good. It's on, on uh, it's a good um, company when it comes to mixing. Yeah,
2: but I do. Uh, we have, we use mics for filming our, uh, our training for our guys, and we do videos because uh, again, with our artists, they aren't going to sit there in a classroom and just listen. You've got to be doing. It. And so we train the videos on how to do something, then we'll actually put our hands on it. So we use uh, the Rode. Uh, the Rode uh, wireless mics, and I've been really happy with the quality on those.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's gotta love them. Gotta love them. The technology that makes doing these things a little bit easier. Yeah, right. <laughs> Same in the, yeah. in the in the um, hardware or home carpentry, improvement. home improvement. We we grew up playing with the the saws and stuff in the yard that my dad had. So you know we were the jigsaw was the basic you know and you have the, the a skill saw, table saw were some of the ones. But to see the things from you know back then to now, wow the technology to for building is it's amazing.
2: It is. Uh, it definitely has come a long way, even in fourteen years in fact you got to go follow me on tiktok or at least go check one out uh, as mm-hmm. customer service dot freak uh, that's my 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 thing on instagram and tiktok but we had milwaukee tools come in and uh, let us play with the tools and uh, we did around uh, a training day around quality and uh, safety but we also got to play with the milwaukee tools but i made them, i made them, i made all these guys line up and do the Beyonce drop
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> they had no idea what it was only two guys knew what it was supposed to be. And so I showed them all. I'm like, that's awesome. You guys were incredible. I showed it to them just this training this morning, too. They were all laughing. It was like so it's just so
0: like putting down the uh, compressor, just slow, let it down, bend your knees and then come back.
2: <laughs> 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 and then I have another video where I had uh, two of the ladies come out who were on the phones. I said, "Can you guys got to come out and work the tools for a little bit, see what you guys are selling. So I had one on the <laughs> went on a nail gun and went on a uh, chop saw or power miter box it was, it was the best yeah we had a lot of fun with it yeah it's been
0: you know as far as quite an evolutionary journey when it comes to just technology period from music to the hard or to power tools to the podcasting industry because i think what podcasting is how old is podcasting
1: Probably three, four years. No, it's probably longer. No, it's now. a
0: lot longer. Joe Rogan has been doing it for a long <laughs> Tim time. Harris,
1: however long he's been going, that's how long the podcast has been around. So, yeah, to see that. Yeah, that's a good
2: question. I don't know when it started. You know, Tim Fair, I do listen to him. Now I speed him up, though. I do him on, like, one and a half.
1: Um, <laughs> <so laughs> it's I like a my sister, she'd everybody up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Could not sit in the car listening to Tim, who's serious, <laughs> so <laughs> slow. So I got him going. When I finally heard him talking like regular, like it's something else that was on a YouTube thing. I'm like, oh, that's what he sounds like.
0: <laughs> uh, so he does talk <laughs> faster.
2: <laughs> so
1: I think there's some kind of a trend because I've, I've seen a lot of people do that for podcasting. I, I don't know. There's a rule out there. You're supposed to be talking slower or something possible, <laughs> because or there's some kind of flow. and it I'm makes sense because we did talk to
0: a speech coach to where yeah it would make sense to kind of slow things down if you're doing more audio talking
1: right i but. think it's because i can't like, do it yeah tv yeah. is so animated <laughs> and everywhere else is so animated that podcasts is I guess supposed to be more chill, but I think it's one of those things, everyone's supposed to have their own rules because all our audiences are different. And,
0: you know, And she wasn't always a talker. So yeah, having a podcast has very, got her into talking.
2: That's great. You know what though? They say the the biggest growth comes when you get outside your comfort zone. Yeah. 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 Um, So that, that's awesome that you do that. And, and I know I'm supposed to slow down as I speak, but I just can't stand it because I get so excited, especially in my podcast.
1: Yeah. No, but then if you're listening to you, you would be speeding yourself up anyway, so like, you know, go with however you want to deliver the message. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I, I, I'm going to find out if somebody actually speeds me up when they listen. Yeah.
1: yeah. Probably speed me up. That's a cool. <laughs> Well,
2: that's good. I mean, but like you said, you guys were trained... That's actually a good point. I'm going to bring that up the next time we get into the studio and do our podcast. Well, yeah, we'd
0: like to thank you for um, your time and consideration, dropping some very valuable gems on us about business, small business, the growth of business, and all of those things. Um, thank you to our listeners, viewers, supporters, our donators, followers, subscribers, all of the above. Um,
1: you can find the podcast at AmericanGypsy.com. We have all the episode audio, videos, guest information, links to our merch at Luomli.com. We have consistent self-improvement merch, t-shirts and um, pillows, um, a lot of different things at Luomli.com. And we have music.
0: And yeah, we we have music. Uh, under classic carpenter, K L A C C I K C A R P E N T A. That's on Spotify, iTunes, um, YouTube. Title all major platforms. And before we close all the way out, Chris, your tags one more time.
2: Yeah. So my Instagram and TikTok are customer service. Freak. You can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Chris Lalamia. Uh, You can always ping me on email. Chris at thetrustedtoolbox.com, and if you want to talk for 30 minutes about anything entrepreneurship related, I am happy to do it.
0: Thank you. Nice. Thank you again, Chris. Thank you to our listeners. Consistent self-improvement, everyone, and peace. peace.